I'm going to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's good to be home. It's good to be standing here before you. And I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bless us. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. I imagine most of you know what that verse is all about. It talks about casting all your care upon Him. Yeah, that's the reason. The reason you are called upon to cast all your cares upon Him is because He cares for you. Do you believe that He cares for you? Do you believe that He cares for you enough for you to cast all your cares upon Him? I mean, do you believe it enough that you do it? (laughs) You know, I know that we speak, I mean, we know this verse by heart. We believe that God loves us and yet somehow I've seen many, many people, myself included, taking hold of a care, of an anxiety, of a worry, of a problem, of a burden and carrying it. One day, two days, one week, a month, you know, I don't know. How long do you carry a burden when you carry a burden? Yeah. But the verse says, I want you to cast it away. Isn't that amazing? Take your burden, throw it. Can you? Should you? (laughs) That's what it says. That's what it says we should do. In the book Steps to Christ, page 86, it says, God cares for everything. Does that include everyone here? Yeah. Yeah, last night we heard um, Daryl speak of someone he's studying with. And the man apparently feels like he was not loved by his mother. And because he was not loved by his mother, he expected that God should love him differently than obviously God has loved him. Now, what would you say to him? Does God love him? Does God love him more than his mother that doesn't love him? Does God love him more than a mother who would love him if, she, if he had such a mother? Yeah, yeah. How is it that he can't see it? How is it that he can't appreciate the love wherewith he is loved with? Well, he may not be alone. I, I've met people in the church that don't know how to receive the love of God or don't know what to do with the love of God <laughs> and because they interpret his actions, his providences as not being loved, not recognizing how it is that God moves in their lives. But let me tell you this, whether we understand it by the providences that come our way or not, the word is this, God cares for everything and sustains everything He has created. If we would fully believe this, all due anxiety would be dismissed. We should then enjoy a rest of soul to which many have long been strangers. Do you rest? Are you restful? Are you at peace? If you go to Psalms 55, we're going to find uh, the verse that 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 was based on. It's the very same verse. It's just Peter took it out of the Old Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, and he repeated it. He, uh, we would say, I suppose that he paraphrased it. He didn't really because Peter was a prophet in his own right. And so he spoke it just like the Lord wanted him to. However, it's a reflection of this verse. This is Psalms 55, verse 22. Cast, there's that word again. Cast, throw it. Dump it. Abandon it. Cast thy burden upon the Lord 
and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous, the righteous to be moved or to be shaken. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know the burdens, the problems you face or that you share. But I know this, that if you cast them upon the Lord, you will not be moved. You will not be shaken. You will not be destroyed. You will not be ruined. This is the promise of God. Now, the picture we're supposed to um, get here is the idea that we're not to carry it ourselves. We don't have to carry the thing ourselves. And we've always used a specific illustration when we try to illustrate this. Forgive me for using an illustration that you've all heard a dozen times, but the problem is the illustration works really well. And it's the truth. And so we see in the illustration a man walking along a dry, dusty road and he's hot and he's very happy to see an old farmer come along with his wagon on, and horse. And he's carrying, by the way, a heavy burden on his back. Well, the farmer comes along, stops by him and says, Hey, come on in, I'll give you a ride. And as he's sitting there, pretty soon the farmer notices that he's still got his burden on his back. He still has his pack sack or bag or whatever it is that he has on his back. And he says, Hey, buddy... <laughs> Why don't you just set the thing down in the wagon and just enjoy your ride with me? Oh, he says, I'm so grateful that you've given me a ride. The least I can do is carry my own burden. Right? Now, you've heard that many, many times. But you know, it applies spiritually also. How many people come to Jesus and do just the same thing? They've given themselves to Him. He, they believe that He carries them. They believe that He'll carry them all the way through to the kingdom. And they hope that by the time they come to the kingdom, they can lay down their burden. Well, will we be able to lay down our burdens when we come to the door of the kingdom? Oh, yes. Is there going to be rest in heaven? Oh, yes. There's going to be rest in heaven. Well, will there be no rest between here and heaven? Do we have to handle our burdens now? Ah, friends, I have it in my mind, the idea that if we carry our burdens all the way to the kingdom, I don't think we're going to be led into the kingdom. <laughs> because carrying our cares, carrying our own burden, is tantamount to unbelief. Because God offers Himself to carry them for us. Imagine what it would be like living in, a, in this world, a world of sin, a world where there's problems, a world where you will have your own specific problems and you don't have to worry about it at all. Your whole life is that of rest. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You can run an institution. <laughs> problems surround you like so many bees around the hive. And yet you can say, what is that to me? God can handle it. God will have a perfect solution to every one of those little bees in their sting. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Wonderful verse here in Hebrews chapter 4. And we begin with verse 9. There remains therefore a rest to the people if there's anyone in the world that can rest, it's us. Yeah, it's there. Now, the word rest here in the margin is the Sabbath. Well, that's what the Sabbath is all about. Did you know that? Of all the people in the world and of all the burdens that people can have in the world, there is a people in this world who once a week on the seventh day can take the burden and lay it down and say, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not even going to care. God knows all about it. He's asked me to rest. I'm going to rest. 
But friends, I want you to extend the Sabbath rest to every other day of the week. Now, it's true, we have to work. But work is not hard. I mean, work is not a displeasure for some people anyway. I like to work, don't you? Oh, I like to work. And work can be just as much a pleasure as anything else. It doesn't have to be a burden. And when work comes to the place where it is a burden, then I would suggest that we take this work and this burden to the Lord and say, Lord, this is more than I can handle. And what's the Lord going to say? Why, sure. Yeah. It goes on to say in verse 9, verse 10, For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. This is spiritual, of course, in talking about putting aside our personal attempts to overcome sin. God says, I will help you with this. I'll carry the burden. I can do it. Don't work out your own salvation. I will work it out. Okay? In verse 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man shall fall after the same example of unbelief as the children of Israel fell in the wilderness. This is the example I was speaking of here. Friends, it is unbelief to carry our own burden when there's a God just waiting in the aisle to take your burden for you and to carry it with you all the way to the kingdom. Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I'll what? I'll give you rest. Well, if you're carrying a heavy burden and God says, I'm going to give you rest, what do you suppose He intends to do? Yeah, He intends to take it. He intends to carry it for you. Uh, I want to have that experience. Well, let me tell you something. It's not that easy. Humanly speaking, we don't give up our burdens very easily. We don't change easily. Somebody, The Lord will send someone into your department or into your life. You say, hey, I'm here to help you carry part of your burden. You go, that's my burden. <laughs> You're not going to carry my burden. That's my burden. It's my responsibility. It's my, the Lord has given it to me, right? Well, you know, sometimes we ought to share our burdens. The Lord wants to. Now, go with me to Isaiah 46. I hope you don't mind using your Bible. Isaiah 46. There's an interesting verse there. It applies uh, very well here at Eden Valley because some of us are uh, more advanced in age than others. And there's more of us advanced in age here than in other places because we have an assisted living center. And this verse is so good. Well, I'll tell you what. It applies to me. It really does. I love to read it. This, uh, this is uh, Isaiah 46. We look at verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. By the way, Isaiah lived in the time of Hezekiah. And, and uh, the house of Israel had been invaded by the Assyrians at this time. And they had all been taken away. But there was a remnant left, apparently. And there was the house, of course, of Judah, which is referred to as the house of Jacob here which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Do you think God forsakes people because we become older? No. No. He's carried us from the womb. He intends to carry us until we lay down our burden and we rest in the grave. He intends to do it. you believe it? Well, you know, there's many people who will strive with me because I've chosen to give my life into what we call self-supporting or supporting ministries. 
And they say, well, you know, it's okay. When you're young, you go into there, you do 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but eventually you're going to have to start thinking about your pension plan, right? Well, I agree. And if I had an opportunity, I would. <laughs> but let me tell you something. If the Lord God, who has been my guide, if He has guided me into this work and He's not let me go, He's not relieved me of the burden, He's not relieved me of the responsibility, He says, this is what I want you to do, this is your work, then what am I going to do? I'm going to do it, right? Ah, but you're 56 and pretty soon you'll be 60 or 65 or 70 and on and on. And what are you going to do if you don't have a pension plan? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but God knows. And if it was His choice, if I was following the cloud and the cloud led me into this work, then can I not believe that He can take care of me regardless of the circumstances? Oh, yeah. No problem. And am I getting older? Oh, yes. I have a little poem here. It's strange. Um, let me read it to you. Oft I am by women told, Poor Anacreon, thou growest old. See, thine hairs are falling out. Poor Anacreon, how they fall. Whether I grow old or no, By these signs I do not know. But this I need not be told. This, it is time to live if I grow old. Right? Yes. It's time to live. We should live every day of our lives. Whether we're old or young, there's a blessing in it. There really, really is. All right. Let's go on. We're talking about rest. We're talking about being able to cast our burden on the Lord and being able to live it there, leave it there and believe that He can handle the thing. Friends, we've been studying together, and this is the ninth session in this series. We're studying together the A, B, and C's of problem solving. But let me tell you something. The A, B, and C's will do you no good at all. If all we're going to do is use the A, B's, and C's mechanically, you'll never come to a solution to your problem if you don't learn what we're trying to talk about this morning. We have a God in heaven who offers Himself to carry our burdens. Shouldn't we let Him do it? And the burdens can become heavy. There's no doubt about it. I have a friend in Czech Republic who lost his son, 20 years old, the young man drowned. Now, what kind of burden do you suppose his father was carrying after that? I can't imagine what that would be like. Can you? It would, it would, dis it would seem, anyhow, that it would destroy my soul. Humanly speaking, if I should lose any of my children, it would wrench my, my heart to pieces. I mean, it would just tear it apart. And if there was no grace Coming from heaven to sustain this man, there would be nothing left to live for. There'd be no reason to live. Would there? No. And so I saw my friend immediately after the, the accident, the incident as it was, and ah, he was, ah. And you know, one year, two years, and he, he, and he was still crying. He was, it was his eldest son. And he had invested his whole life and his whole, all his emotions into this boy. And he lost him at 20 years old. Yeah. But do you know what? There is grace. There is grace. And the grace carried it all for him. Eventually, he was able to lay it down. It took a while. It's not easy, you know. We live in this world. We can talk. We can read the Scriptures. Cast your burden on the Lord. How do you take this burden and cast it on the Lord? How do you, how do you stop hurting? Now, there's no doubt in my mind the grace was effective from the beginning. But it took time. For this man to be able to take the burden and 
leave it there and, and re- be restored in the joy of living again. Well, anyway, you understand, I suppose. If you only had to carry uh, 10 pounds or 15 pounds and, or 20 pounds and you carried it far enough, would it be a joy to be able to put it down eventually? <laughs> Have you ever carried a baby? Now, babies aren't big bundles. And usually when you pick them up, it's, it's a pleasure, right? And you pick them up and you put it in your arms and you have fun with them. But you know what? It's just a matter of time. They begin to weigh. <laughs> and some babies are heavy. You know, they're all lead. And it's amazing to me. Some of these babies will have tiny little mothers and they can carry them twice as far as I can. You know? What is it that's carrying the baby? Isn't it love? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's a blessing to be able to put them down too. <laughs> Sometimes. Now, supposing now you're carrying a hundred pounds on your back. What a relief when you're able to put it down. Well, this is what the quotation in Ministry of Healing, page 72 says. The heavier the burden, the more blessed the rest in casting them upon the burden bearer. And so, if you're carrying a heavy burden today, cast it upon him. He will take it. And somebody might say, but you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know how sinful I am. God won't do anything for me. Let me tell you something. God will do something for every single individual in the world that will approach Him and put their burdens in His hands. He'll do it. Because God so loved the world, everyone in it, that He took all the burdens already and laid them on His Son. And his son went to the cross with all the burdens. Now, is there anyone in the world whose burden Jesus has not taken to the cross? No. He's done it. He's done it. If he's done it, won't he now take it from you when you want to give it to him? I don't care who you are. Jesus will take it. Now, we've been using the Red Sea as a Bible illustration for a lot of our classes. Now, friends, we can take illustration out of the same illustration All kinds of different illustrations over and over again. So don't get tired if I keep using the same illustrations. There are many lessons that can come out of it. Now, of course, you know the problem at the Red Sea. There was a problem. It was an awful problem. But the worst part of the problem was that it was God who had led them that way. Now, would God do that? Oh, yeah. Well, we've been learning in these series, of course, that God is a teacher. And in order to teach her, he's decided to give us problems to solve. Now, that's his way of teaching us. And we don't like problems, but we've got to come to grips with this fact that if we're going to grow up, if we're going to learn anything, it will be by problem solving. So the problems come. He is the orderer of what? All our experiences. This is in Heavenly Places 265. He is the orderer of all our experiences. And volume 9, 286 says this, We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. So if you're going through anything that's really bad today, you'll know this when you get to the other side and you ask him to explain, you will find out that he's the one that ordered it. That's the very problem you needed. Because in education, the book Education, page 148, it says, through his grace, the curse works out a blessing. And so the curse of the Red Sea experience, the problem of the Red Sea, of course, was meant to become a blessing to the children of Israel. Oh, but it was hard for them to see. It was so hard for them to to understand. When they left Goshen, they were going straight east. And do you know that if they had kept on going straight east, they never would have seen the sea at all? They could have walked directly to the land of milk and honey. 
But God had an education. I mean, He couldn't bring them straight from Goshen to the land of Canaan. They weren't ready to occupy. They weren't ready to administer His will and His principles in that land. And so He began to give them an education. And so instead of going straight to the uh, above the Red Sea into the land of Canaan, He decided that they should go first south and then a little bit southwest. And then eventually He had them turn east just at the wrong place. Now, who was it that led them there? What were they following? Why did they go there? They were following a cloud, weren't they? Yeah. Who was in the cloud? Jesus was in the cloud. Are you following a cloud? Are you? In the last six months or so, I think I've heard about three or four people who have come to Eden Valley and, and, and the testimony is, I believe that God has led me here. And I am going to stay here until Jesus comes. Well, you know, that's a wonderful testimony. <laughs> it's wonderful to know that God is leading us. And I believe it when people say, God has, has led me here. Well, supposing now, as you've been following the cloud, it leads to a pile of problems. Is it still God who led you here? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. You know the cloud has a way of changing directions and going where you don't want to go, right? Were you really following the cloud? Isn't this the test of our faith now? Yeah. Everyone that says God has led me here, then you can't leave. <laughs> you can't quit. God has led you here. You can't quit until it leads you away. That's just the way it is. And so it happened right there at the Red Sea. Two million people were being led by the, by the cloud and all of a sudden they went through a pass in the mountains and it led to a, a, a sea. There was a mountain behind them, a sea before them and then all of a sudden there were Egyptians, hordes of Egyptians following them and they were in problem. You know what they did? Why? They attacked Moses. That's what they did. They got mad. They got angry. What have you gotten us into, they said. You knew it better than that. You know, he did know better than that. He did. He knew the land and they also knew that he knew the land. And so they said, it's, it's got to be his. He did it on purpose. He knew the land and he led us here and now we're hemmed in. And they were really mad at him. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to go to that story now. Exodus chapter 14. Isn't it amazing how we get mad at people? when sometimes it's God that's led them to do what they're doing. We wish He didn't. <laughs> we wish they didn't. Here we are. We're in Exodus chapter 14. Look at verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. That means really, really afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Were they happy with, uh, with Moses? Yeah, Moses was having administration problems at this point. Let me tell you something. If he had been running for election, do you suppose he'd have been elected that day? <laughs> well, I know. What kind of leader is this, right? Yeah. Well, 
Well, maybe George Bush is the man after all. <laughs> Friends, Moses was not running for a popularity con- contest. And he wasn't running for an election either. God had given him an, an assignment and Moses accepted the assignment. And when the going got rough, he didn't resign. Did he? No. He didn't resign because the pressure was on him. Now, he went to the Lord. And this is what we ought to do. The problems will come. Go to the Lord. Don't fight the situation. Go to the Lord. Look at verse um, 13 now. And the Lord will tell Moses what to do. And Moses said to the people, the Lord through Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you. You don't need to fight. All you've got to do do is hold your peace. What do you think? Is it easier to stay quiet and hold your peace than to fight? What do you think? How much easier it is to fight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How do you handle the situation? When you get all hemmed in, when somebody has done something stupid, which is it easier? What would God tell you to do? Stay put. Hold your peace. Stay quiet. I'll handle this. This is what God is saying here. Okay? And praise God. Do you know what the children of Israel did? They accepted the assignment. Now, I don't believe that they for a moment thought that they could handle the situation. But they began to trust the one who said, I can handle it. Right? And they concluded that it was the better part of wisdom to shut their mouths and hold still and be quiet and watch to see what God would do. And friends, they came to the D of problem solving. And you know what they did? They did it. (laughs) They stayed quiet and watched what God would do. And when God finally said, all right, march into the sea, what did they do? They did it. They marched into the sea. Did they express their gratitude and and their thanks to God for it? Oh, yes, they did. They did, for sure, afterwards. Well, anyway, sometimes we think that we need to do something now, now. Right? I can imagine the children of Israel, well, tell me, do you suppose somebody needed to do something now, now? (laughs) What do you think? I mean, there was the sea before them, an army behind them, mountains, there was nothing they could do. They must have come to Moses and grabbed them by the throat. Do something! See? And what did God tell them? Relax. That's what He said. Relax. Rest in Me, and when you do, I'll spring into action. It reminds me of my little grandson, Caleb. You all met him last year. He he was about three years old when Christmas or Thanksgiving came along. Now, of course, he's raised by my daughter and and his dad and they're vegetarian. And he'd never seen a turkey in any form, I think, probably at three years old. Anyways, he's invited to his side of the family and there's a group on that side of the family that are not vegetarians. And so they're having this whole huge meal and the turkey comes out raw still. Not, you know, this is before the Thanksgiving dinner, the turkey comes out and Caleb goes to his mother and he said, what's that? (laughs) And so my daughter explained to the little boy that this is a bird, you know. He said, oh, that's a bird. But eventually they open the oven and it's burning hot in there and they're about to put the oven, the turkey in the oven and little Caleb goes to his mother and he says, mom, do something! (laughs) They're going to 
put the turkey in the oven. Did they have to do something? <laughs> well, if that thing wasn't going to cook, they'd have to do something, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes we've got to do something. But there are times where God will say, no, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to hold your peace and I'll deal with the situation. And I would dare say that those are the times when we get into conflict with people. Did you know that? This is what it was. I mean, they had a very practical situation here. But what did they do? They attacked Moses. That wasn't the thing to do. (laughs) And so God had to say, no, no, stay quiet. Quit your murmuring. Quit your complaining. Quit your fears. Set it all down. I'll handle the situation. And of course, um, the Lord did. I heard of a lady one time. She had a problem. She'd been working really hard in the garden and she'd left all her dishes in the sink. You know how that is. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Some of us are pretty pretty organized and that never would happen, would it? But anyways, there are some people to whom it happens. And so she had a sink full of dishes and she'd been working outside and finally she'd done her work outside. She walked into the house and she was going to begin working on these dishes. And as she begins working, she's looking out the window and there's a car full of company that drives, that drives up the driveway, of course. And she says, oh no, anything but this is just what I don't need, you know. So what was she to do? Well, there was two things that she could do, right? She could send them away. Or she could decide to entertain them outside if she didn't want them to see her house the way it was. What do you suppose happened? What? (laughs) Yeah. The people that came helped her with the dishes. And so the problem which she thought was a problem was not a problem at all. It was a solution to the first problem. And that's how the Lord works. He works like that. Friends, God is in charge. Nothing happens in our lives that He doesn't know about. As a matter of fact, he is the orderer of what? All our experiences. And if he is, and if God cares for everything, can't you believe that he cares for you? That he can handle it? Well, anyway, he may just lead us by the cloud right into a problem. Well, never mind. He will lead you. And he will lead all of us to a problem. But he has a way prepared to bring relief. That's in Desire of Ages, page 330. In every difficulty, he has his way prepared to bring relief. You don't face a problem he can't handle, and he will handle it. That's the promise. Shouldn't we be able to rest when we understand this? Yeah, let's rest. Anyway, go with me. We're still in Exodus chapter 15. Look at chapter 15 now, verse 1. One more thought we have to look at. This is chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses, this is after they got through the sea on dry land. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. When did they sing this song? (laughs) Afterwards. Don't you think they might have sung this song before? And all the way through, every step of the way through the sea. Right. If they had had a faith, anything like Jehoshaphat's faith, they would have appointed the choir long before the battle. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you, friends. This is when we know Christianity has taken hold. Now, I've got to call you to account. I've got to call. I've got to ask you, how do you respond 
to the vicissitudes of life, to the problems that come your way. Are you singing all the way? Friends, if you want to know that Christianity is real in your life, this is what you're going to experience. You're going to come to the place where you will know it doesn't matter what comes your way, there's going to be a song on your lips. Begin singing. Patriarchs and Prophets, 293, paragraph 2. Many look at, excuse me, many look back to the Israelites and marvel at their unbelief and murmuring, feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful. But when their faith is tested, even by a little trial, they manifest no more faith or patience than did the ancient Israelites. When brought into straight places, they murmur at the process by which God had chosen to purify them. What's God doing? Why? He's purifying them. And what are they doing? They're murmuring at the process. And what's the process? It's a problem. That's right. We wouldn't have that problem, would we? You and I, I mean. The quotation goes on. Though their present needs are supplied. Anyone starving this morning? Anyone have no clothes? No roof over your house? No car? No money? Well, maybe no money. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, right? Yeah. Do you lack anything this morning? Yeah. Do you ever complain? Though their present needs are supplied, many are unwilling to trust God for the future. And they are in constant anxiety, lest poverty shall come upon them and their children shall be left to suffer. Some are always anticipating evil or magnifying the difficulties that really exist so that their eyes are blinded by the many blessings which demand their gratitude. The obstacles they encounter, instead of leading them to seek help from God, the only source of strength, separate them from Him because they awaken unrest and repining. We ought to be singing all the way, all the time, no matter what the problem is. But what happens is we look into the future. At least we project the present situation to the future. And we say, well, if this goes on, what a mess we're going to have in the future. Well, nobody said this was going to go on. As a matter of fact, we're told the Lord's going to solve that problem. And it's not going to go on. But our minds don't work that way. We take today and we project it into the future. And we can see what a mess it's going to be. And we begin complaining about how it's going to be already. And where it's going to lead. Our Heavenly Father, Ministry of Healing 481, our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. And those who accept the one principle of making the service in God, of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path before their feet. Wow. Would you like all your perplexities to vanish? They will. It's a guarantee. It's a sure thing. God has promised it. If the service and honor of God is supreme in your life. That's all. Is it? Oh, make it so. Make it so. Give your life to God. Live to glorify Him, to be a blessing to others. Is God's honor more important to you than your own? Shouldn't it be that way? Oh, you say, but what, what if I serve God and it leads to the stake? <laughs> I don't want to go to the stake, right? What if I, everything I have and everything I am is going to be destroyed because I serve God? What if he uses it all up? Well, I guess you won't have anything to worry about if he does, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you say, I guess so. It will be all gone. Let me tell you something, friends. 
Nothing you have is yours anyways. It is all gone. It doesn't belong to you. And if you don't own anything, then you don't have anything to worry about. And it all belongs to God. Last illustration. You've all heard of Dwight L. Moody. He was a famous evangelist at the turn of the last century. Not, not this one, but the last. He was going in the United States preaching from city to city. You know all that. He was invited everywhere. At one of these meetings, there was a mother and she thought how wonderful it would be if her little boy could get to meet Dwight L. Moody and shake his hand. She thought, as that boy grows up, he'll be able to say to his friends or to the people, his acquaintances, I shook the hand of Dwight L. Moody. So she made her way up to the front after the service there. She waited in line and finally the moment came. There was Dwight L. Moody and Dwight L. Moody put out his hand to the little boy and the little boy put out his left hand to him. And Dwight L. Moody said, now wait, wait a minute. No, no, give me your right hand, little man. And the little boy gave him his right fist like this. And Dwight L. Moody said, no, no, that's not how we shake hands. We got to open your hand. And so the little boy opened one finger. And he thought, well, now, come on now. You got to do better than that. We're going to shake hands together. So the little boy opened two fingers. And Dwight L. Moody continued to try to coax the little boy to open up his hand. And finally, the little boy burst out in tears. Do you know why? No. <laughs> because he had two marbles in his hands. And those two marbles were more important to him than shaking anybody's hand, even Dwight L. Moody's hand. Now tell me something. Do you have anything in your hands? What do you have in your hands? And are the things that you hold in your hands more important to you than putting your hand in the hand of Jesus? What do you think? Do you have marbles there? What do you do with your marbles? How much do you care for your marbles? Let me tell you something. If your marbles are worth keeping, there's not enough devils in hell to take them away from you. But let me tell you something else. If Jesus takes what you have and lets them slip away, what do you care? Don't worry about that. It's more important to have your hand in His than that you have your hands on some riches or some wealth or some property or some whatever it is that's so important to you. Because it's the hand that was nailed to the cross. And that hand will not lose sight of you. and never let you go. He'll never let you down. It's a powerful hand. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.